musicals in their current form have been around almost a hundred years now, but I still hear people refer to musicals as cheesy, fluffy, always happy. You hear talk of jazz hands in conversation as if it was the single defining dance step. Some actors talk of musical theater as if it was the illegitimate son of the theater world. Let's face it, musicals get a bad rap. But why? Yet here we are, and musicals have never been more popular on Broadway and in movies. Today on From the Pit, I talk to Ryan Mooney. He's the artistic director of Fighting Chance Productions and a true theater patron. He literally sees everything. On this episode, Ryan and I will discuss the status of musical theater in the media and the general public. So, let's get a better view from the pit. Krieger! Jazz hands! Should have never taken him to see the whiz. The Broadway show or the movie? Jazz hands. Both. Jazz hands. Our guest today is Ryan Mooney, uh, artistic director of Fighting Chance Productions, as I mentioned in the intro, and he sees, well, just about everything in Vancouver. Uh, Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. I'm glad you are, too. As that little clip that I played, when you just look up... um, jazz hands in youtube be amazed at the stuff that pops up it's the place i wanted to start because it's so within our consciousness to think about these sort of you know dance and cheesiness and fluffiness of musical theater is quite pervasive yeah in our society what what's going on there like what's happening well i think it you know if you're not raised on it if you don't know about it uh the most popular of musicals are the most mainstream, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So you've got shows that, uh, you know, I don't think you have to like theater or go to theater to know Phantom of the Opera or to know Cats or to know, uh, you know, Joseph or whatever. Uh, I'm just naming Andrew Lloyd Webber shows, which is sure. <laughs> not what I want to do. But, uh, but you know, I, I think that you just hear about musicals and that's what you picture, right? A right. chorus line of women, tap dancing and... And the jazz hands thing. And I think it's, um, you know, it's not a, not a bad thing, but I don't think it's, it's you know, particularly uh, conducive to what, what it is that we do. But it's funny how it's gotten into the consciousness of, you know, at least the North American public. But musicals are popular almost now than they've ever been before. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I don't know why. Like, I, I, I have right. no idea why it's this resurgence other than... I think it's more accessible now. I mean, when we were kids, teenagers, whatever, right? My option was get home by four, watch the Rosie O'Donnell show. And she would always have musicals on, you know, once a year there's the Tony Awards. And uh, I remember the, uh, I would order the Columbia house, you know, seven CDs for a penny or whatever. Um, And so I would order, I would just scan that for what, musicals I could find, right? Mm. So I remember getting uh, Chicago, mm. uh, the Broadway revival of Chicago from Columbia House, and just, you know, listening to it all the time on my little Discman and stuff. But but now, you know, you can, I mean, I'm floored when people come in for auditions or whatever with these songs that I've never heard of from musicals I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And people can just go on YouTube or search Google or whatever and, and find these composers who 
you know, haven't had a show on Broadway, but they're writing these great songs. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the popularity comes with the accessibility. South Pacific, Oklahoma, Gypsy, The King and I, Fiddler on the Roof, West Side Story. There are only a handful of musicals that are timeless, classic masterpieces. Now there is a brilliant new show that you can add to that list. Ladies and gentlemen, Ragtime. I remember when I was, you know, in high school, I didn't even really know that musical theater was a thing. Yeah. Like it was its own art form, you know, until like you kind of, even though, you know, I kind of knew what Cats was and yeah. I did and I would know what, you know, because Andrew Lloyd Webber, all that came out at that time. But I didn't clue in that it was something that you could do yeah. or see. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember the first big show I saw was Joseph with Donny yeah. Osmond, which I think a lot of people of our age, that was the first one. Totally. Um, and, uh, I remember going and, uh, you know, leaving it and, and not getting a, a, a tape or a CD or whatever and finding one at a Zeller's randomly, like for eight ninety nine or whatever. And I mean, right. at that time, like I had no money, right? I was like 12 um, and just saving up a dollar every week or two and, and finally getting it and then just listening to it over and over and over again. And then uh, two years later, I saw Cats. And mm. all I knew is it was by the same guy right. who did Joseph. So I couldn't understand why it, it was so dark and why there was no mega mix at the end and why there was so, I just, I, I, that was my level of education was, well, it's by the same guy. Why isn't it the same style of show? Mm -hmm. um, and then just being freaked out by the cats in the aisles that, that was like, my dad was sitting right on the aisle. Yeah. And of course with those glowing eyes just yeah. popped right out and he freaked out. I bet. And he went, Oh, jumping up. But I remember that kind of cluing into me being like, Oh, I see. This is the magic of theater at yeah. this moment. Yeah. You know, and they really understood that. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. It was, it's uh, it, you know, it's an experience, right? Those sorts mm -hmm. of shows, right? You go and you just, you're, you're sucked in. And I, you know, we were in the balcony or something like that, but it didn't matter. You know, you were just right there. Totally. Are you blind when you're born? Can you see in the dark? Can you look at a king? Would you sit on his throne? Can you say of your bite that it's worse than your bark? Are you cock of the walk? When you're walking alone Because jellicles are And jellicles do Jellicles do And jellicles would Jellicles would And jellicles can I, I say to people, you know, if... if Look, I love Sondheim, right? If yeah. Sunday in the Park with George had been my first musical, I don't know that I would want to do this because I think that you have to come to a show like that with a level of understanding of what uh, the musical theater can create. You know, when I was in school, they, they talked a lot about the difference between musical comedy and musical theater, mm -hmm. right? And And... I think that that's a really important distinction. But I also don't think you can just write one off. You can't just say you know, oh, I I only do serious musical theater, right? Because there's something to be said for someone coming to something like Forbidden Broadway or musical and musicals or, you know, something fluffier and saying, oh, that was really great. I really like what this company does or I really liked that experience. I'm going to go check out something different, right? You know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's important. Right. Because, uh, 
you know, theater, entertainment, movies, TV, whatever, should have some level of escapism at times. You know, I'm reading this book right now um, about Sondheim, and uh, it talks a lot about how in the 70s, the problem was people, why, why his work wasn't taken in immediately was that they were writing about stuff that people who went to the theater were trying to escape from. So, you know, you have company, right? So there's these people going, these couples, these married couples, and they're going to escape their life. But really what they're watching is their life on stage. And that was disconcerting. That They didn't want that. Right. They wanted to go and be taken somewhere else. Mm. And I think, you know, especially now with everything that's going on in the world, it, it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to escape. I, I was trying to think if there's any other forms of art that have this sort of suffering that comes for, for musicals. I mean, I don't think uh, what we call, you know, in the musical theater world, yeah. a straight theater yeah. um, or plays, they don't tend to suffer. They seem to, you know, it goes up and down in popularity like musicals yeah. do, but they don't tend to be made fun of in any no. way. No. Know? I mean, I guess you could say, okay, well, you know, people have opinions about Shakespeare, right? right? Oh, Shakespeare's dry. It's boring. It's, you know, it's old. I don't understand what they're saying. You know, you could argue that. You could argue there's certain playwrights that people will say, will look down upon or say, oh, that's just fluff, right? That's not to the that's level true. of, you know, X, Y, or Z. But I think that that it's all about, you know, a director or, you know, the, the production team to to reinvigorate whatever work they're doing, right? I mean, it'll be interesting to see what gets revived 50 years down the road. Right. Right? Like, you know, yeah. I, I love Rent. We've done it twice, right? Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see if that has the, the lasting, the staying power that something like Oklahoma has. Simply because right. the, the story, such an integral part of that story, is something that, you know, while still very critical and important, the experience of people now is not what it was when that show first came out. Right. So it'll, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to yeah. see what will be being produced for revivals 40 years down the road. Yeah. Because I do think that some shows are just going to go by the wayside. But Songs for a New World, right? That's like a song, song cycle, cycle, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, where the, uh, the story isn't as important as the music, Mm -hmm. Right. I think that if you don't start with a solid story and that story can be fluid, like, you know, follies, right. There's, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a, a, a sort of story there, but it's not, you know, I, I do think that an audience likes to grasp onto something. And mm -hmm. if, the, if there's nothing for them to grasp on it to, it better be really good. Listen to the song that I sing. Listen to the words in my heart. Listen to the hope I can bring. Trust me. Accessibility, this is what always confuses me, is that because they're still so popular. Yeah. But it also there's an association with it being highly emotional. Yeah. And I think people have trouble reconciling that to have a conversation about it. Yeah. What is that? What's with that? With people connecting? Well, I think that uh, you know, it's funny you say that because I think that it's actually more a thing that people who do it are worried about sometimes. Mm. So you know, there's also, I mean, you've worked on shows, right, where people say, "Oh, well, are are people going to believe that, or is an audience going to allow that?" And I, I think that we need to give the audiences more credit, mm. right? Um, yeah, there's audiences who come and they're like, "I don't get why they sing," and it's just, "Well, they sing." 
they that that's the conceit of the show. They sing when they can't express in dialogue anymore. And if you can just get past that little bump, you can really, really enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that you just have to sort of, I mean, we're already asking people to walk in and believe that, you know, those four walls make a house in this particular production. And, um, you know, you have to suspend that disbelief, right? You don't have the ability, like a movie, to you know, draw whatever in that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can just accept that conceit that people are going to be singing uh, instead of talking or dancing, then you'll really enjoy it. But I think that there's there's just people who, I don't want to say lack of imagination, but that's what comes to mind, right? Where they can't just sit back, relax, and say, yeah, I'm just going to go with what this is and enjoy it in the moment. Would you say it was Joseph? Was that the first show that you... Yeah, yeah. Well, so I think I saw a production of Oliver as well when I was like in grade three. I think right. it was actually a group, Footlight and Burnaby, that that did it. Right. Oh. I saw Oliver because we were singing selections from it in my elementary school. Of course. So we were doing Oliver, but we did not have... Uh, the. We had characters, but like there was no Bill Sykes, right? So that was a... <laughs> right. a you know, I don't think they could find a grade two to play him or whatever. But <laughs> so we didn't have a Bill Sykes. So I remember going to see it and being petrified when this guy came down. And then, you know, he kills Nancy on stage. And, and my mom just had no idea what she had gotten us into. Right. So, um, but, uh, Spoiler alert, well, yeah, cause, oh, yeah, oh, sorry. If you're, listen- <laughs> if you're listening to this Still and you go. haven't seen Oliver, um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so, it, so she, my mom tried and my stepmother in later years, my dad would, you know, um, encourage uh, them to take me because it, it was something. But yeah, it was it was Joseph for sure because it was at the Queenie. I remember exactly where I was sitting in the theater, and I remember it was so colorful and so bright and so funny. And uh, and you know, subsequently, anytime I see it, I I still have that that nostalgia for it, right? Mm. And there's these you know people who hate Andrew Lloyd Webber who just want to bash him and just want to say how what about, but. The, the director and producer and me, it's funny because if, if no one sees your show, it doesn't matter how good it is because no one came. Yeah. Alternately, it doesn't matter if a million people see your show, if the show is crap, right? So it, but, but there's some balance there. There's got to be some balance to say, look, this guy can write a medley or uh, a melody, right? He can, he can write a, a song yeah. and, uh, and it gets stuck in your head and there's something to be said about that. Right, you can't just dismiss him, and I think it's it's right. too easy. It's too easy. It's very anytime someone will say, you know, oh, I hate Andrew Lloyd Webber, or I hate that show. I'm like, why? Why? Tell me why. Yeah. And I'm more often than not, I find people have a really hard time explaining why. What are some shows that you think uh, have gotten into the consciousness of the people that oh. you think stick out? Sound of Music. Okay. Sound of Music. Um, now, a question about that one. Is yeah. It, is it the movie that... Yeah, absolutely. Got? yeah. absolutely. Because uh, if I, I could be absolutely wrong about this, but um, I think that it wasn't as well received on Broadway at first. And then they hmm. made the movie... I'm going to get this story wrong, but the rights, there was something with the rights that made it possible for them to show it every Christmas. 
Hmm. So the rights were either like free or very cheap or a particular uh, TV station owned them. And so that's what happened. It, it was shown every Christmas because it's such a Christmas movie. Oh, I, right. I'll never understand. But, um, but you know, and, and so then it got into the conscious. Rocky Horror is another good example of a, of a, of a, um, a, a, a musical that they made a movie. And then I think most people know Rocky Horror, right? They so might not have seen it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, hair. Oh, yeah. Right. I think hair. Yeah. Um, is another example of something that, you know, was so much of its time and that music was so much, I mean, I knew songs from hair before I knew hair was a musical. Right. Right. Like I remember hearing them when I was a kid cause my mom liked the station that played them. Right. Mm. So, um, those three stick out right off the bat. Live musicals. Yeah. 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 To do again yeah. on TV. You know, obviously they've been fairly popular enough so much as that yep. they're going to keep doing them yep. and hairspray is coming out. Do you hear what they announced so, after Hairspray? No. Bye Bye Birdie. That's interesting. With Jennifer Lopez oh, as okay. Rosie. Yeah, go figure. I don't know. They announced it. All, I guess it'll be the, the next year, but they... Yeah. Yeah. Smart, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But again, why did they survive? Like, what's what's up with that? Well, you know, it's uh, a funny again, because people now hate watching, right? Or I think it's called hate watching. They watch it and they tweet about how much they hate it, but they watch it anyways, right? It was like mm. that with Smash, right? Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, to me, anything that can uh, heighten the general public's awareness of musical theater, I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So you had The Sound of Music, right? And it, it, it was okay, I watched it. it. It wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. It was, you know, sort of somewhere in the middle. But I would still rather have that than nothing, yeah. right? I would still ha- rather have like, you know, the, the movie of the producers wasn't great, Right, um, because they just tried to put the the show on on film, and that didn't work. Mm. Mm. But I would still rather have that than nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that people uh, want it to be perfect. You know, they want the original cast in the movie, and if it's not the original cast, then why do it? You know, that was a big thing with Rent, with the Rent movie, right? They right. they wanted all the original people, and and they got it. And I think that the movie isn't great, and I don't know if that's because of that cast or because of how they did it. But um, I I do think that anything, anything, even if it's bad, right? It, at least it's heightening some awareness. At least it's getting okay. the word out there, right, about it. So um, you know, the live musicals are are interesting. I think it was neat to see what Fox did with Grease because they had a live audience, which the other ones have not had. Right. And I think that that made a difference, mm-hmm. right? Because you know, a number finishes, and you know that they're live at that moment, mm-hmm. but there's no applause or anything. It's the same when you go to you know one in the theater. I remember going to see Chicago, and uh, and the, I mean one of the best made. Uh, films of a musical ever mm-hmm. um but i remember at the end of numbers you know the audience w- clapped they clapped and i thought that was so neat very cool. because that's what it should be right it's yeah. in that moment right yeah it's hard not to clap at the end of a candor and ebb tune well, I mean, just, yeah i mean you know, those those buttons are, those buttons yeah. dough yeah uh it was really well but of course they hired a director that is a Stage director, yeah. Ron Marshall. And yeah. someone who had a vision of how to make the the show accessible via that new medium, via that different medium, I should right. say. Um, whereas, you know, then you have films like the producer's movie where, you know, it's great that they got the original people. That's I, I'm happy that we have Nathan Lane's Max Bielostock that we can watch anytime. But, uh, you know, Susan Stroman, who was the director and choreographer of the show, uh, she... she 
just did what she did with with it. Whereas I saw a few weeks ago the Miss Saigon, the filmed Miss Saigon, yeah, right. right? And I've seen a lot of those. Um, you know, sort of the National Theatre does it now too. And they've really figured out, I think in many ways, how to film those in a yeah. way that makes you feel like you're there, that yeah. makes you feel like you're a part of what's going on. The Imelda Staunton Gypsy, another right. great example. Which where, was just on PBS. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I ordered the Blu-ray, so I'm excited yeah. about that. But did but you, so, you saw it I live, saw it, yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, and and you know what? I was in the first row of one of the balconies, and, uh, and so I could see great, but it was neat to see it up close. Now, there's people who argue that, you know, it's then the performances become too big because they're still acting for an audience, but it's a close-up on them. But, you know, you can pick apart anything, right? right? And I think that that's our new culture is to, you know, nothing is ever good enough or we want to make ourselves sound smarter by picking something apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it too, so I'm certainly not, you know, immune to this. But I do think there's something to be said for appreciating something. Mm-hmm. Having the ability to have some of these performances, you know, immortalized, right? Or, or you know, on, you know, we can always watch it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, that is, is something that, uh, to be celebrated and not looked down upon. Got the dream, yeah, but not the guts. That's living for some people, for some humdrum people, I suppose. Well, they can stay and rot. But not well, for years, theater was afraid of filming theater. Yeah. Because they think, well, if we're just giving away the product, no one's going to come see it. Absolutely. Where it seems as if it's the reverse that's happened. I, th- I think I think so. You know, um, I can say that there's been one or two that I've seen that I wouldn't, I saw in film that I I would not go see just because I I saw it once and I don't feel the need to see it again. But there's absolutely, you know, performances that I've seen that if I had the ability to go see it, I would, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it just heightens people's interest in it. And people don't have a problem re-seeing theater all the time. No, no. I mean, if that was the case, we would never have revivals. Right, right because, oh, well, I saw South Pacific before. I don't need to see it again. Or I saw, you know, whatever before. Um, but I think that, you know, there's obviously always going to be an interest in seeing some of those productions. To borrow a phrase uh, from the recent election. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think that there is a media bias against musical theater? Oh. Uh, or is it just ignorance? I don't yeah, that's a great question. Um, n- I think that it's an easy target. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think it's that the jazz hands thing, right? Like you, you don't have to have ever seen a musical. You don't have to ever have named a musical. But if you say jazz hands, people associate that, right? So it's an easy right. laugh, right? I think it's an easy target. It's no different than you know, only gay men do musicals or whatever, right? It's just a, it's a stereotype and it's an easy target, um, and makes an easy laugh. But, um, you know, it is, it's a medium, like, I I think it's, it's a medium that's still in its infancy in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. right? Because you think theater has been around for, I mean, Shakespeare is what, 400 years ago or something like that, Mm -hmm. right? So 
musicals are are have only really been around for a hundred years, and yeah. so it is it is a medium that's still growing. Hmm. And to to say that you know I know in the eighties and stuff, it, you know, oh musicals are dead now. Mus- there's no more musicals. That's it, right? They're they're just there's no new ideas or whatever, right? But it, it keeps happening and it keeps changing and and uh, you know morphing into to something new, and and then it'll go back to some of the old, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the producers is, is a good example of one that is, it's an old fashioned musical. It just has right. a modern sensibility. Right. Right. It, that, that's all. If you've seen a show, then you already know how magical theater can be. It's a two hour live action, barely affordable, unlip-synced version of Glee. So this song goes out to the rest of you. Those who've never seen theater before Because Broadway has never been broader It's not just for gays anymore If you feel like someone... There's something very special about it, right? Yeah. There's something, I mean, I've been in... in go, I've gone to see plays where there's like six of us in the audience, right? And, and that's an experience. And I've gone to see shows on Broadway or in London and there's, you know, a thousand people in the audience, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's still something very special about being in that room with a group of people and experiencing something and knowing that, you know, the height, what makes it different than a movie is that the people on stage are experiencing it too. Mm. Right. And there's a level of respect there. I mean, I think about how often I see people get up in a movie and go to the bathroom in the middle of a movie at the theater. It, it doesn't happen in, in in the live theater as much. I mean, yes, it still happens, but it's not the same people there's a level of respect there's a level of focus there's a level of um intensity that comes from being in a room with people telling a story Mm. that that doesn't happen in a movie theater let's talk a little bit about the class system of theater sure i still think it's amazing that ballet opera uh, the symphony are still considered quite highbrow art forms um, than musical theater or even theater is, and why? What advise that? Yeah, I don't know. I Isn't don't that know. Weird? It is weird. I, you know, when you say it, it, I, I know it, but when it's said, it, it's an odd thing. You know, I, I think there's, in a lot of ways, it's maybe because there's not as many new symphonies that come out every year, or not mm. as many new operas, or ballets for that matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could be totally wrong about this, but, yeah, um, right. and so I think that, you know, there's that level of history and I think people equate history with, uh, importance. Hmm. And I don't think that the two are, are the same. Right. Um, but I think you can say, oh yeah, we have a subscription to the opera and it sounds more important than, oh, we have a subscription to this local theater company. Right. It mm-hmm. just makes you sound. And there's certainly a level of, uh, you know, it's much more, I've looked into it, it's much more expensive to buy a, a subscription to the opera than it is to buy a subscription to a local theater company, um, at least here. I mean, it's the same with Shakespeare, right? You can say like, okay, Shakespeare is, you know, if you're going to see Shakespeare, you must be really, really intelligent. But if you're going to see, you know, 42nd Street, you might not be, right? <laughs> right. Um, and I don't know why. I, I think it's it's maybe knowledge, yeah. you know? Uh, musicals don't get taught in school. Shakespeare does, you know, right. um, in terms of the opera, it's, it's, 
you just have this vision of people going to the opera and they're in pearls and they're in, you know, sparkly dresses and tuxedos and stuff. Like and it was an event. Yeah, guess. it's yeah. exactly, exactly. It's an right. event, right? It, it's, okay. um, it's a Saturday night at the opera, right? As opposed to, you know, a Wednesday matinee or whatever, right? Where you can wear jeans. Yeah, that's a good question though, because I don't, I don't know the answer. I don't know why, uh, you know, something that is essentially the same kind of art form. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe it's got to do with training. I think people yeah. know more about, like, you know, if you're in a ballet, you've probably been dancing since you were, like, three. Mm. Whereas I think with theater, people of any age can sort of go and do it. It's the same with a symphony, actually. That's an interesting thought. So, yeah, you know, you're, if you're mm. playing an instrument, you've probably been playing it since you were a kid. Right. Whereas, you know, people with theater come from at all ages and all, uh, you know, times of their life to, to do it. Um and so maybe that's part of it. They think that the training element is, so is quality. more rigorous. Yeah, there, there might be more of a quality because there's more right. education, there's more training, there's more experience. That is interesting. And I think um, with its history, maybe it's all those things combined yeah. in which uh, training, uh, you know, and also I think theater, and this is why Shakespeare's funny, he's crossed over now. Yeah. Um, Shakespeare used to be for the populace. Yeah, it used to be absolutely. for the people. Yeah. And now, uh, you know, we have Bard and places like that now, too. It becomes an event, a little bit yeah. like opera is, where it's, uh, you know, you pay, you pay more money for it, and it's more high, higher class. Yeah. Well, and, and they've done a really good job, you know, here at Vancouver Bard on the Beach of making that an event, right? right. I know when I go to Bard, I go like an hour early, because I want to go look in the gift shop, and I want to go get something to eat or, or you know, yeah. uh, wander around and look. And, 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 and sometimes Christopher's doing a talk yeah, or something. Uh, yeah, there's, they have pre-shows, post-shows, you know, the fireworks night, they have all sorts of stuff that goes on there that, that make it an event. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's smart. Yeah. Right. Because we we're I think we're an event based, uh, generation where we want it oh. to be a event. We want, we don't just want to go sit, watch something. It's, it's why I will never understand, um, uh, theater companies that don't have some sort of pre-show, uh, announcement, Right, mm-hmm. welcoming people. Nobody wants to walk inside a room, have the doors shut, nobody talk to them, and then walk out and, and not have some sort of interaction, right? It doesn't make you feel welcome. Right. Right? It's um and I think that that's really important. And I think, you know, with you know, it's funny, I wonder if things like ballet and the symphony also have to do with the venue they're in. Yeah. Probably because you the... walk into the like, you know, the Queenie <clears throat> Absolutely. or into the Orpheum and yeah. you go, oh, wow, there's like, you're just surrounded by these sort of things. And no, th- if we could just get musical theater, we'd just get fighting chance into <laughs> the Orpheum. Yeah. Perfect. Well, the, yeah. Yeah. That would be great. No wings, no wings, no wings and, and no me. anything, but it would look beautiful. That's right. Um, no, I, I think that's, there's something to be said about that too. I mean, when, again, when I was traveling last year, um, you know, I went to a lot of, like I went to the palace, uh, Garnier, I think it's called, which is where Phantom of the Opera is supposed to be based in, right? And these buildings were built for opera. They were built for ballet. They were built for, you know, that, that, and, and we don't have that. We don't have that um, with musicals. There's mm-hmm. no theaters built for musicals. There's no, you know, um, and that, but that's neat, right? I mean, yeah. I love seeing shows on a big stage and I love seeing them in, in a small little venue. I love just seeing that, you know, it's hard. I think it would be hard to do opera in a black box. I think you could, but I don't think that the medium is 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 made for that. Whereas you can take something like Sweeney Todd and put it into a black box and make it really an event, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think that opera was built to be grand. It was built to be big, at least the the old ones, right? 
even the old musicals, you can take something like Oklahoma and, and put it into a hundred seat theater and make it really an experience. Uh, do you think that's something, uh, musicals have to be musical. The, the genre has to be malleable. It has to be absolutely flexible. It has, to, it, it has to be, um, you know, I know that you had talked uh, with Stephen about, about the orchestra size, right. right? It has to be, it has to be malleable. It has to be fluid. Um, you know, yes, there are some shows that you need certain things for. Um, I think a good director, a good production team can um, can change that. Mm-hmm. But you need certain things to make it. We're breaking free. High School Musical. Yeah, it was funny. I when when I moved to this this place, we had satellite there. Uh, we got it for free. Part of the thing yeah. we had to pay, you know, because the the owner of the house had satellite, and it came with uh, lots of interesting channels. Uh, one of them was the Disney Channel, right? And I had never subscribed to it before, but we happened to just have it. And back in two thousand one, I think, I was just flipping around, and up came a you know it was red because it was a movie, so you yeah. could tell it. I was like, it said High School Musical. Yeah, I was like, obviously being in musical theater, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. So I I put it on, and I must have been probably one of the first people to see it. I just happened to be flipping when they just and they gave it away for free. Remember, like yeah. on the Disney Channel, it was just a show. You didn't have to go to the theater. Yeah. It was just released, and I watched the whole thing just in awe. Yeah. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Um, at first I was a little like, oh, no, 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 this is bad. But then, I mean, immediately after over, I felt good. Yep. The music was catchy. The story was super weak and awesome. Like, you know, yeah. it was it was written for a very specific audience, but it got me. Yeah. And I thought, this is going to change a lot of stuff. And I think it did. I think you're right. I think that's a really good point. And I think Glee is the other. Right. Right? Is that someone out there saw that there were these kids who liked musicals but didn't have access to something that would speak to them and someone really intelligent saw that and said let's let's do something about this mm-hmm. let's make a, a singing show or let's make a you know and then they did and then what's going to happen is more people are going to see it it goes back to that thing we were talking about about you know i'd still rather have a mediocre movie musical than no movie musical at all Right? Because someone's going to see it and it's going to grow the awareness and the consciousness of it. Because that's exactly what happened with High School Musical and Glee is that people saw it and they thought, that's me. That's what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Right? So say what you want about it. I think I've only seen the first one and I saw you in the second one oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> uh, on stage. But that got people in just like Joseph got me in when I was a kid. Right. And maybe that's as far as some people will go is high school musical and glee, but at least they'll have some awareness of, of musical theater. Right. And, um, and, and that is not a bad thing. And I think it, a lot of it comes down to just pure exposure. Absolutely. Yes. Like once we're used to people singing at us. Yep in in the movie form and we see not only that but we see the people we respect stars yeah you know look at um 
Into the Woods. We talked yep. about a nice crossover. Yeah, absolutely. Which I thought was a somewhat successful movie. Yeah. I thought for, a, yeah. you know, again, Rob Marshall, right? Yeah. Um, but the idea is, you know, you see Emily Blunt and people singing. Absolutely. And you go, oh, wait, they're doing it. Yeah. And so maybe you know, it gets to, into our consciousness. Yeah. Consciousness. And again, look, I can look at the Sweeney Todd movie or the Into the Woods movie, and I could give you a list of 20 things that I didn't like about it. Yeah. Right? But... I'm still happy it happened. I'd still put it on. I'd still watch it. And there were still lots of things that I thought, oh, that's really neat. That's something I would never have thought. And that's right. a neat thing that they did there. And, um, you know, we have to stop. We have, I think we as a community, as a musical theater community, have to stop making it an elitist form. Right. We have to, because we want it both ways, right? We want people to come see our work, but we want to make people feel maybe like, we know more than them. Which is funny. It's sort of the opposite of opera and, yes. and ballet in these ways, yeah. which they've managed to somehow get away with it. They, yeah. <laughs> they're managed to be elitist and people go, yes, you are. Yeah, That's absolutely. Fine. Yeah. Know, where, you know, you can't do it the other way. No. And, but I love introducing, I mean, you know, with, with the company, we have a lot of, you know, new grads and I love introducing them to stuff that, you know, there was a right. kid in the show this summer who, um, you know, he's Asian. And I said, have you, do you know Pacific Overtures? And he said, no, I've never heard of it. And I said, I'm going to send it to you. And I, I sent it to him and I, and, and he listened to it and he came and he's like, I love it. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I love that element yeah. of introducing people to something new that they haven't heard before. Um, because then it's going to hopefully propel them to do more, to go and check out more things. It's not pebble, not the stream. It's a On that note, um, are musicals going to survive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you don't think, you see I, it going away? No, no. I, but to be fair, I don't see any, I mean, the medium or the ways in which we present them might go away, but no, they will not go away. But I don't feel TV will go. I mean, the way that we consume television now is different because we have PVR and we have Netflix and we have all these different ways to get it. But it won't, it, it's not going away. Um, I think that uh, the theater has to be willing to adapt um, and maybe just on very small levels. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I, I mean, because really people sitting around in a cave thousands of years ago were telling stories and that's all that theater is. Um, and musicals you know every so often there's a show like hamilton or there's a show like rent and people say oh okay this is the new direction that it's going but there's always going to be people who have a love for um the old-fashioned musical and want to write the old-fashioned musical right and there will the jerry hermans the jerry hermans and there's nothing wrong yeah <laughs> no, no there's nothing wrong with that yeah. right um will it will those survive in 30 years will people still be doing you know hello dolly in 30 years who knows but mm. that's what's exciting right i don't know it'll be interesting to see you know in 40 years if hamilton is still the big thing that it was 
right? right? Because you can take a look at the list of, let's say, Pulitzer Prize winning musicals. I think there's eight or nine of them. And I'd say a handful of them get done. And yeah. that's about it, right? And these yeah. were the, the, the cream of the crop, according to those people at the time. And can you name all of them? Do you I know? could not name all of them. I, well, I know I South Pacific is one. So, uh, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday uh, Course Line, I think. Oh, that's a good question. I think Rent, for sure. Rent. Of Thee I Sing, I think is right, one. Of Thee I Sing. Yeah. yeah. So one, of the, one of the first. Yeah. Was, yeah. And so that, that was of its time, right? Right. I mean... That know, never gets done. No, it's not like well, we're, we're seeing that production. No, right? and you might you might get a concert version of it to like, <laughs> right. let's go back and look. There's... um. One in the 50s or 60s that was, I don't remember now, mm-hmm. of course. But I mean, you know, none of the none of the shows that get done on a regular... I mean, Sunday in the Park with George, great show, doesn't get done that often. That's right. Right? Oh, Calcutta, is that one? I just found them. Okay. It's, it's alphabetical, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, chorus Line. Yeah. Fiorello. Fiorello, that's the one I was thinking of. Right. Hamilton. Yeah. How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Right. Yes. Right. Um, next to Normal. Oh, I didn't, that one I didn't know. I didn't know that either, but it's true. Of the Icing. Yeah. Rent. South Pacific and Sunday in the Park. Right. There's nine. Yeah. That's great, though. Yeah. It, it's such an interesting, um, you know, we could do a whole topic just about that. Yeah. But the Pulitzer surprising winning shows, I mean, what I love about them is that there's almost nothing connecting them. No, not at all. I mean, they're so different. Yeah. How to Succeed, I forgot about that one. Yeah. That's funny. Which I love because it is a well clever written show. It is. Too. It yeah. is. And I think that of it at its time it was trying to comment on stuff that now we look at and maybe, you know, mm-hmm. isn't but uh, you know, I still it's love biting. the show. It's yeah. Got, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But in a comedic way. Yeah. Um, but that's cool, yeah. And Next to Normal obviously has message and yeah, yeah that's cool. Next to normal, I had no idea. Yeah. That's I know cool, I know there's been almost every year, especially for the last 10 or 20 years there's always i think at least one musical in the running because they release the list of uh you know nominees or whatever afterwards i i like i know even something like in the heights was was up for it Tell me a bit about what you're up to. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm working on my three of my favorite musicals, actually. Oh, it's yeah. really exciting. So I'm doing Sunday in the Park with George with United Players. Uh, we're doing a concert version of Ragtime and then Parade. So three of my favorite musicals sort of back to back. Right. Um, and then I'm doing Deflator Mouse for the North Shore Light Opera Society, oh, nice. which is a little yeah. bit of a departure for me. But uh, I'm excited to do it. Have you done? A, have you done like you have done like a couple, a couple light I operas? I did a before. couple of Gina shows one at UBC. Once, yeah, so I yes. did the Mikado at UBC, and then I did uh, the Pirates of Penzance at UBC as well, and then right. the Mikado out in Surrey. So, right. how's yeah. your experience with um, with light operas? Do you like them? Yeah, you know, it's fun. Again, it, it's um, it's something different. I like to be challenged, and um, you know, I'm I I think that. It used to be that I just wanted to do anything and everything because I wanted to work. I wanted to get out there as much as possible. And now 
that Fighting Chance is in our 10th season and, you know, I've done a lot. I don't feel that need anymore. And so I'm going to start uh, letting other people direct right. more um, because I don't feel that need anymore to just do everything because I never know when the next one's coming along. Right. right. Which I think a lot of actors happens to a lot of actors. We, you know, when we start, we do everything, right. We want to just audition for everything and do everything that we're right. given because we're worried that, you know, we want to always be working and then you sure. do that for a year or two and then you start to realize, okay, I don't have to take everything on. Right. I don't have to take everything on. And fighting chances in it. You said it's in its 10th, 10th year. Season, 10th, 10th season. 10th season. Very yeah. exciting. If someone was to say, you know, what musical should I see if I wanted oh, to get into musical theater? Yeah, I had this discussion a few weeks ago. Oh, actually. Yeah. Well, would you, it doesn't have to be one. I won't yeah. Um, yeah. I said Sweeney Todd. Really? Yeah. I thought that is a good uh, musical because it's funny. Yeah. Uh, it's, but it's dark and it, it's clever, um, but it's accessible. Hmm. And Sweeney Todd's one of the ones I feel does not, there's there's not a not an, a a note that shouldn't be in there. There's not a song that shouldn't be in there. Um, yeah. So I said I said Sweeney Todd because I just I really felt like it's it's a good. I mean, if we're talking about an adult, right? Maybe a ten year old shouldn't go see Sweeney Todd <laughs> right. for their for, maybe they should. Who knows? But um, but uh, yeah, I I really feel that that one is one that, you know, someone could go see and really. You know, um, get it. You know, I think it would make them want to see more. And the world's gonna know your name. What's your name, man? Team and Barbara Sweeney Todd. I am the team and Barbara Sweeney Todd. Indeed, I serve a dark and vengeful God. But the work waits. Judge Turpin ordered him to split. Well, we didn't solve all the world's problems, but no. uh, we had a little to talk about it. But I appreciate you coming in today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Messy locked her up quick, his hair slick. Joanna's not his daughter, but come, come on, on that shit's sick. <laughs> that was my conversation with Ryan Mooney, artistic director of Fighting Chance Productions here in Vancouver, British Columbia. For more information about the show, please join us on our website at fromthepitpodcast.com or you can view us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fromthepitpodcast and please join the conversation.